Yeah, so it's it's one of those complicated things. I um I have had personal experience and also inner turmoil about a similar thing. Um, so just just on a personal side, like I, I was introduced to a um, Pan African organization, uh, you know, the Uhuru movement, whatever. Um, I was actually introduced to that more or less by a white woman. And that organization, well, I eventually ended my friendship, if you want to call it, with her, because she, like, she was weird anyway. But, like, and and honestly, the entire time, it made me absolutely uncomfortable that she was involved at all. Like, everything about the white involvement of that organization was weird for me. Um, although, the way that they explained it made me get it. Like, there's the solidarity part of the organization they're literally called solidarity and that's where the white folks are and they do the it work and they do some of the uh like they they give money like so many of them have like you know a a sizable income or whatever and they give money of themselves and they get other white folks and they get other people or whatever to make donations to the organization um I won't make comments right now as to how I feel about how that money's allocated, but mm-hmm. um, you can take, you know, what I've already said for what you want. But like, um, my my thought there, like their 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 stance there is, oh, this is um, this is their reparations. This is their personal way to give reparations. And you know, like if we could get more white folks to do the same thing, then you know it'll mean something. Um, so I got it. I understood in their perspective in that situation. Um, But I can't lie, like it makes me absolutely, ultimately extremely uncomfortable. And this is not to say that, like I don't, I still don't really fully know why I land with like letting white people be involved at all. I'm not gonna lie that it makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) Like I won't necessarily go to bat and be like, excuse me nah we can't do this if there's an organization um that's already there and already established and they already have white folks involved like i'm not saying that i'm gonna um go to bat and die on that particular hill like oh no you gotta get these people out of here but um i will say that i am more of a proponent of gatekeeping i'm a pretty big proponent of gatekeeping actually um but at the same time like i don't want to make people feel weirded out in any way by being that way um we do like it's very complicated and it's very layered because we also do live in the age of let folks identify how they want and nobody can really so much as you know criticize or what have you it makes things very very tense and i'm not saying that tenseness doesn't need to be had because I feel like often tenseness needs to be had and that stuff has to be hashed out but um yeah we do kind of live in that age right now with you know folks being able to say or make some type of right or claim to an identity and move forward I, I just it's hard to parse with um being a black woman and then the absolute necessity because it th- there is a necessity for us to gatekeep yeah. there's an absolute necessity we have to um especially because of situations like that where and and this is this is one of the places where it's that complicated relationship between black women and white women <laughs> which is a complicated relationship if nobody else understands or knows um and we don't have to go into in-depth you know, commentary today as to why it's just it's just historically been that way. Um, there are certain levels of you know being able to claim and and being able to show where you are oppressed, how you are oppressed within the system, within culture, and what have you. And it's just a whole lot of layers there as to who's oppressed when, who can claim being oppressed when, and by whom. And it's also historically been the case where 
within feminism, within any women's movement, you know, women's suffrage or whatever else have you, or just plain old day-to-day living, um, folks who can claim being oppressed white women, um, they can also turn around and be our oppressors. And sometimes it's quite literally on purpose. Like the whole, you know, uh, mistress of the house and um, lady in waiting, I guess, situation of, you know, plantation living, for example. Like there's always that dynamic. So we have to, like, we can be extremely clear. White women are benefactors, proponents, and they are, Supporters, they are supporters of white supremacy and white patriarchy. And I, I mean, I don't look at them any separate from white men just because they benefit from white supremacy. They have perpetuated, they have oppressed uh, people of other races, cultures. Um, they continue to do so. Um, and I just feel like their fight against their men, which I don't even think exists, because if you look at any voting or anything, they step in line with white men, um, even when we look at the the past election. Um, so for me, I think they tend to weaponize their gender a lot. Um, and they're also able to assimilate in a lot of these spaces and use their gender to uh, make community with women of color who they also oppress. So um, I think it's a weird situation, but I think it's also very clear um, what side of the fence they sit on. <laughs> it's just yeah, how they're able to uh, relate um, with uh, with women of other races um, and cultures. And just to kind of backpedal, um, if you guys don't know, we're talking about Jessica Krug, who released a Medium article um, called The Truth and the Anti-Black Violence of My Lies. Um, you can go- do your Googles and you'll see um, this uh, woman who admittedly um, says that you know she pretended to be um puerto rican black um and benefited from her um impression of women of those uh of of those uh culture and races um she um came out and i mean her article drips of white guilt (laughs) yeah but i mean she occupied the space spaces of women of color um she participated in it she you know um advocated for women of color but at the same time um i've also read about some very um controversial remarks she's made as well in those spaces um so so that's where we kind of start off on just to give you guys some backup and i've also um read instances and accounts of how she's been um, abusive more or less toward um, black women students of hers and and how she's been you know antagonistic toward black women in the spaces that she's been in as well um, to you know further add a little bit of detail because the Washington Post at this point has also um, posted about this so um How they detail it is to say a blog post attributed to a history professor at George Washington University stated that she had assumed a black identity for much of her career despite being white. The post from the author identified as Jessica Krug, as we said, said she had deceived friends and colleagues by falsely claiming several identities, including North African blackness then U.S.-rooted Blackness, then Caribbean-rooted Bronx Blackness, according to the blog post on Medium. Um, And Shine already gave the uh, name of that post, so you can go find it. Um, Krug, whose areas of expertise include African-American history, Africa, and Latin America, is actually white and Jewish. So... um, yeah, this and she's not the first example we've ever had of such a such a thing. We all know, you know, the now viral um, and otherwise disgraced Rachel Dolezal, um, and you know, any of us who've been in academia, we we've seen people like that. <laughs> um, or really just any space where black folks are at, like there's there's always there's always some element of that. Um, a white person of sorts and sometimes they'll stick 
hard line to the fact that they are white and there's no discussion of that. And then sometimes they will try their best to claim um, some sort of black type ethnicity, even if it's just like a little droplet of it. Um, And it calls into a crisis for me of our identity and growth and everything like that as black folks because there's a certain level of well you know we we never did really like the one drop rule (laughs) that whole thing although it exists and although we adhere to it um for various reasons you know one is obviously indoctrination and then the other is um kind of like a you know embracing all of ourselves as ourselves there's value there in you know not rejecting people and not being like our oppressors in rejecting people out of the whole race um there's value in taking into consideration the fact that we've been through what we've been through so then further traumatizing those of us who have that um background and who have that heritage doesn't really bode well for the continuation of ourselves and our mental health but 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 then you have the situations that crop up that don't ever take long to crop up like this and this is a big example but there are little examples all the time all along the way um and there's even another incident recently where you know the whole thing with adele cropping up with a picture of her apparently <laughs> you know weekend, that was a labor day weekend version of adele yeah you know and I, I, which to this day like and i don't want to sound like a conspiracy nut but like i don't really i really don't think it's a real photo like it looks weird it looks photoshop but whatever like everybody's going with it so i'll roll with it but well yeah if- If I could just build on what you said, um, you know, I I have a lot of mixed feelings about this um, because, like you said, there is a there's a thing where black people seek to embrace our allies or quote unquote allyship from other races. I'm not even going to even specify whiteness, but um, we can for this instance and others, we can definitely say whiteness. we want like just like you said um we want to be different from those who have historically oppressed us and we want to accept and i think we also don't want to just banish folks out the race like just because um because we know ultimately if it is true that you actually have even so much of a drop of black blood white folks not going to accept you as white like we know that so it's like you know but then also we have we also are, are because of the issues with colorism in our communities we do also recognize that there are benefits from those people who kind of can pass pass um absolutely but um know, um i was thinking about this i also thought about um a couple weeks ago or maybe a couple months ago there was the writer at for harriet um, oh yes please talk who, about that um i i don't have it in front of me directly but you guys can also google because this was also kind of a it's a low-key story but it, it existed um she is a white writer at for harriet who for a while didn't really have a face to the name on the site she kind of just wrote a lot of the articles um opinion articles actually i think there were a lot of op-eds are we um, sure it wasn't um madame noir it could have been um I think you're, you're you're looking it up now, but it was uh, either for Harry or Madame War, but it was a site that was specifically catered towards Black women. Um, yes, it was Madame Noir. Okay. Madame <laughs> yeah. Um, so, sorry for Harriet. It was Ma- Madame Noir. Um, she wrote those articles there, and a lot of her um, language was in us, you know, we community language. Um, but then somebody was like, hey, they, they did some background research and saw that, hey, this is actually a white woman. Um, but then I think, I believe it was her editor who came out on Twitter or Instagram, mm-hmm. Instagram mm-hmm. Um, who is a black woman and kind of defended her use of the language, you know, defended her um, mm-hmm. position in that with uh, minus any critique. So there was no critical. It was just pretty much all, you know, um, 
coming to her defense, which, you know, it's, it's her staff. She has the decision to say what she wants. But I think there, like you said, that kind of speaks to the fact that we don't want to um, exclude people. Um, and while, you know, I do agree some with that statement, um, I also agree with what you said very early on which is we, we do have to gatekeep to some effect. It has to be, um, it has to be something in our minds to gatekeep. And we do have to protect our community in those ways. Um, and not to say that, you know, other, other people do it and other cultures do it. So we should, but we've seen how people who initially become allies tend to manipulate that. Um, and they use their ability to, um, it's weird for me to say this, but their ability to code switch and, mm-hmm. and to race switch and to um, weaponize that, you know, as we see white women typically do. White women do weaponize a, a bunch of different things to their effect. So, and honestly, we all like we quite often just want to see the we want to see folks shine. We want to see the best of things. We want to see the best out of each other. So it's like that whole yeah, sis culture, right? So it, it's like. It's just really troubling, especially for me as a black woman. And to be clear, that that woman who's writing for um, Madame Noir is named Julia Austin. Mm-hmm. Julia Austin. Um, yeah. And yes, they one of their. Um, I'm just trying to find it. Yeah, Veronica Wells, the um, culture editor, is who released the statement. Um, you know, basically not holding accountability yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, with response to, you know, the online community. And it's, 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 you know, again, they can do what they want, but it's, it's really, I'm sorry. No, I'm just laughing because you're like, they can do what they want. Like, <laughs> yeah, like they can do what they want, but like, it's cause it's their, it's their medium. Um, I have not since supported Madame Noir um, because of that. And yes, she, you know, the Black Twitter space and online spaces is really, really good with their investigative journalism. So, of course, folks pulled up examples where she was saying, you know, we, us, and so forth. She was a relationships um, columnist. But it's, and it's really, it's it's difficult as well, because going back to, like I said, um, like I'm sticking to the, you know, one drop rule thing, you know, with the situation of Jess, um, Jessica Krug. Like when folks claim those things, when we get into that whole argument, because it's an argument, like we literally as black folks fight over this um, as to who belongs to us and who doesn't. There are more of us who are more of the mind of gatekeeping now than probably have been in a long time. And it's because of these moments and these situations where those folks are able and willing to basically put us on as a costume in order to get forth whatever it is agenda they have and then being able to weaponize that against folks as well, taking advantage of our story and our identity, but then at the same time, not necessarily being as susceptible to the discrimination that all the rest of us have to face. Um, A lot of that comes with, you know, colorism and um, whether or not you're phenotypically stereotypical or, um, you know, whether or not you're mixed at all. Um, This is a saying, this whole, does she belong to us? Does she not belong to us? This whole thing is exactly what we were just talking about. Not in the same vein, but what we were just talking about with Kamala Harris. Similar, you know, similar conversation. Does she belong to us? Doesn't she? And every time this type of conversation comes up, it's, it, it puts you in a very difficult space because, and then we get into the whole conversation of, well, let's look at the person's history. Let's look at the person's upbringing and so on, see how much they actually do qualify, which by the time you get to that point, it's just already annoying for me. So like, I just really don't even want to engage in any of it, even though it may be a necessary conversation. 
Um, but you know, but it's also difficult for me, especially in terms of once you want to get to what a person don't look like us, because I've even said it, especially about this, um, this woman, I had no idea who this person was, this, um, George Washington university person up until all this, you know, blew up obviously, but once I even looked at photos of her, I'm like, y'all, seriously, y'all thought yeah. this woman was, how? How did y'all think this woman was black? Right, it's nuts. Like, she didn't even, <laughs> like, I don't even sense that, you know, black look flavor to her. Like, you can tell when somebody, and this is something that's completely intangible. So excuse me for not having a way to explain it. But you can tell when somebody shows up in the space if they come in with blackness or if they're just being performative. And to me, she looks performative. Like she doesn't even look like a person who might be black and might be passing. But, you know, when they show up in the space, you can tell there's blackness there. She doesn't even look like that to me, which is weird. And it's 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 difficult for me to say as well because... The majority of my family is not very black skinned. <laughs> so, you know, I come from a family of extremely light skinned people. So it's it's just like mm. I think a lot of it is very interesting too, because we um one of the points that you had made about the fact that uh we want to be so inclusive. Um and I think sometimes even black people, we tend to do this to ourselves where we want to add so much other um, modern day intersectional adjectives over upon our blackness. Because I think a lot of it now is like, if I'm all these different things, mm, what can, like, I'm trying to put this into words, but it's like, mm. the, because I love I love all communities, so please don't think I'm being like exclusive right. <laughs> of those communities. I, I think we may but have also come off that way in the past, also. But it's um, like when you well, I I mean I'm very clear about what I am. I'm black first before I'm anything else. Um, but for me, it's like if a lot of black people and I see it online, and it's like very relevant where it's like I have to add all these different acronyms. And then I can be like this all um, progressive, open, inclusive uh -huh, uh -huh. person. And you know, while that is great, because I just want to be very clear, like all communities of people who are being oppressed and subjugated, I'm with freedom of all people. I'm, but me, I am just with black freedom first because I'm a black Correct. person. <laughs> Correct. And you know, when I say black first, I mean all all black lives right but right every single one of them yeah i think all it's just it's interesting though that a lot of people do this where we like we have to add so many different adjectives in front of us because we understand that the more oppressed and culturally forward progressive you seem um, maybe the more interesting you are maybe the more different fights you can involve yourself in i can be in this fight and i can be in this fight and um I think sometimes what it does is it tends to water down what you actually stand for. Correct. Um, and I think in this occasion, we see it where if we look from a different lens, where the, these white people who inject themselves in these spaces, they want to come off as part of the cool group, right? They see blackness as like being the cool, um, cool, oppressed group instead of popping up. <laughs> Yeah, like as, as idiotic as that sounds and as ironic as that would be, they feel like that. And it's like, well, if you want to help black people, first of all, prop up actual black women and black men. How about that? We find some people who actually and you help prop them up instead of trying to assimilate and be them and come off as us. And, you know, and on the other end as well, as black people, we have to understand, too, that being inclusive of everybody can be of major detriment to us because it begins to blur our vision and focus when it comes to black liberation because we want to include everybody and what happens is is typically those everybodies have their own um, agendas, agendas. Yeah. 
And so like when you have like people like Rachel Doziel, who you mentioned, she was in the NAACP. There was black women and men who were around her all the time. And now we look at, <laughs> yeah. we look at she a She was the president of, of the Spokane chapter, wasn't she? Yeah, we look at a picture of her and we go, this woman is obviously not black. She's white. <laughs> there is no debate there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, it's an interesting like dynamic where sometimes we are inclusive. And I'm only saying this because we just laid like 10 minutes of saying why we should be, you know, you know, why we feel inclusive. But I'm, I'm just stating right now that we have to gatekeep. It is very necessary for us to do that. Um, we have to call people out. And I mean, not only be accountable of our own people and hold our own people to account, but we have to hold our quote unquote allies to account. Um, and I saw this, I forgot where I heard this from, but somebody had said, it's like, if other races, specifically white people, want to be a part of our struggle, we need to see them do the work on their own, in their own community. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. You know, like... That's what allyship really is. Yeah, do the work it's in not, the community. It's not or not solely coming into our space. To do, because now, it, like... Okay, doing the work in our space, it is additional colonization. I'm just going to put it out there because that is what colonization was in the first place. You're coming into our space to do things. You don't need to do that. That is not allyship. We got us. We are here. We're here doing the work among ourselves. If we ask for your opinion, then give it. But, you know, if we invite you in, then do it. But the whole white, point white saviorism with the whole you know like the, the movies where the white teacher comes into the black community yeah and all of a sudden oh captain my captain like nah like no no, no. don't do that go among your among your people among your community and say these things um I've, I've had the same issue with with gender issues, with gender arguments. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but go tell that to men. Like, don't come over here telling us all these things. That. <laughs> huh? I said, yeah, talk to your brothers about that. Talk right. Go talk to your brothers about like that, about that. Like, don't come over here telling us because I, I I think if you look. You know, read the room. Like, if you look, we got enough opinions. <laughs> We're good to go. <laughs> we don't, you know, we don't need additional input. We don't need the allyship in our own house because, you know, we're here. Allyship means that you're in those other spaces, being an ally to us in those other spaces. Take, for example, Anytime um, there's an ambassador to the U.S. or an ally of this or that, you know, our allies, diplomatically speaking, when you're talking about diplomacy and, you know, world affairs, an ally or an ambassador is a person who's in another space advocating for those people, advocating for that country. Am I wrong? That's true. Um, Right. As far as being an ally as well, yes you need to be anchored in the understanding of the community in which you are proposing or perpetuating to be an ally for you need to be anchored in that understanding and do the research and even get reference and context from those people who are specifically affected by whatever issue that you are um that you're up against right so like you you gave the gender understanding so if I am being an ally for black women, I need to know black women. I need to talk to them and understand what's going on in their issues. But then I must move on to spaces of other men to discuss with them and help them understand, maybe connect them to black women who would like to discuss those issues. But ultimately I have to be the ambassador as you stated and get in my communities of men and help them to understand, right? So that's like the perfect point of it is coming in our spaces and trying to pretend to be whatever community right. <laughs> that you are quote unquote ally against, like specifically for the whites, the, the whiteness part of it, where it's like colonialism is a global thing. White saviorism is a global thing. Oh, and just because gracious, you're white, yes. just because you're white and you pretend to be black doesn't exclude you from that you're still white and you're still being colonial (laughs) and i'm i'm pretty sure we're gonna also touch on that same thing when we get to the topic of you know um 
relations with Africa and Africa going back and forth and such and such when we finally do that pod we'll we'll get into that <laughs> because yikes um but yeah so so listeners this was not our intended first topic our intended topic today was um black creative spaces because we started to touch on it last pod and that's something that we've been wanting to talk about um, and, and, you know, ch- change the energy a little bit. Yeah. Um, not just talk about the the uh, harsh reality, complicated side of things, <laughs> but yeah, the harsh and complicated side of things that deserve criticism. Um, but in thinking about that, like many of these things have come up recently where you you can't, I, I kind of felt like you can't talk about black creative spaces and black creative mediums that we're creating without also giving light to or giving, um, giving credence to the continued reasons why we need them besides the fact that they're just nice to have (laughs) you know they're just fun to have and bask with your fellow black folks in your blackness and how creative we can be when we do that like there's there's still a need to create these spaces um there are still arguments with creatives and the spaces that they're part of like a major record label or um, a a streaming service or a radio station, as we said in last pod, you know, speaking about um, one of the folks involved with the murder of Yusuf Hawkins actually being an executive at Hot 97. You know, we spoke about that. And with all these things put together, it's it's just necessary to at least touch on that first and how and why it's so complicated and, and feeling why and how we need to have Black creative spaces, not to taint the conversation or make it feel heavy or negative when it shouldn't. But um, yeah, it just became overwhelmingly necessary that we, we had to at least speak to it. Yeah. And, you know, as, as Jessica stated, we do have to do our due diligence to make sure that people aren't occupying spaces that are detrimental to us. And I know that, and like we said, we know there's reservations with not seeming inclusive or, you know, those things, but we also have to protect our space. And I mean, even Mm -hmm. down to an individual level, right? Like we are kind of conditioned even as people and individuals to allow people to manipulate, do things to us. Um, and deep down inside, even if we know that like this is wrong, like how we stated how Rachel and Jessica, they don't look black. We know a few people that they know and work with was like, this is funny, this is weird. Right, right. Like, we as, a, as individual people, a lot of times we're conditioned just to let things go, let things flow. And, um, you know, like, so you don't seem like that guy yeah, <laughs> that's always trying to blow the thing up. You don't wanna and I gotta be honest. I, I've also, that's, that's, that's a personal struggle for me too, mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I don't want to seem like that guy, but I also often end up being that guy. <laughs> Cause you have to protect your, you have to protect your, your mental space and coming off sometimes is mean to people you don't want to and it can be you know i'm sure that um you know like this is very parallel to like just personal relationships outside of the race factor but we want to even if we're friends with people who we think might be overstepping certain boundaries and overstepping what they be should what they should be doing we we just don't want to disrupt and we don't want to cause chaos or seem angry or that person like you stated. Right, but yeah. I don't want to be the Buzz Killington of always, you know, but it's blowing stuff up. I don't always be that person, but damn it, it's necessary. It's so necessary, <laughs> yo. Like, because at the end of the day, it's going to keep going in a certain way. And it's going to, it might affect you in a negative manner. So you have to protect your peace, your peace of mind and your space. Um and that's kind of where that discussion of gatekeeping, you know, it should still be mindful. Like we have to protect our, our spaces and our people. Um, 
because you just don't know what can come down the road, you know? Yeah, so weird. Um, so to segue, <laughs> Black Creative Spaces. Uh, Shine, you are yourself a Black creative. Yeah. And you created Black Creative Spaces. Yeah. Um, Would you like to speak to any of that? <laughs> no, so right now is like a crazy time, right? Especially with the pandemic. And now more than ever, I'm just going to speak on the community part. It's important mm-hmm. to find community. Um, and it could be online. Um, it could be uh, physical. But it's important to find like-minded individuals in some place that you can kind of find refuge for your thoughts and creativity. And we know as Black people, just history would have you to know that we are very creative and artistic folks. And there's a lot of great initiatives going on um, right now, especially with the state of the world, um, where Black creators can find community. just off the top of my head, two that are really relevant to me. Um, one, because of my work outside of like the pod is in, you know, African development. And one that's really important to me because it's rooted in a country that um, I also particularly love in West Africa. Senegal is Black Rock, um, headed by Kohinde Wali. They are um, uh, incubator space for Black artists. Um, and have artists and residents there. And um, they started the first year and year two is coming up soon. Um, so you could look them up, blackrocksenegal.org. And another one that I'm really interested in um, as far as black creative spaces and communities. Um, I wouldn't say it's catered specifically towards black people, but it is started. it was started by two black men in that house in Toronto. Um, I know one of the gentlemen who started it personally um, as I've worked with some of his clients and artists before in the past. Um, But it's also a space that's helping to incubate artists of different mediums in Toronto. Um, And now they have an initiative that they've just started called Black House. Um, And that's going to benefit uh, people of color and um, have specific projects catered to helping them um, be better artists and also benefit from their art. So um, there's lots of different you know, and that's only two examples that I personally know of, but there's lots of really dope incubator spaces for Black artists, Black creatives of different kinds of um, creative aspects and creative mediums. Um, but it's really important, especially now with how stressful life is, um, that we kind of find community and especially finding community in the creative creative space, you know? Feel me? sorry i had myself on mute um wanted to let you rock out on that because i don't think um i don't think you get enough shine or enough credit in terms of the awesome stuff that you do you've been doing over the years and been involved with like you had your own um, radio station slash pod before and things of that uh nature and because of the great work that you do and um you know, sustainability in Africa, otherwise professionally, then, you know, those things may not get that much light. Well, neither one, really, because you don't really speak much about the things you do publicly. <laughs> I'm, say, I'm always thinking, like almost at all. Yeah. So because <laughs> I'm always thinking forward. And I mean, um, that's a, it's a, it's been a detriment to me. And I think a lot of people um, is we're always forward thinking. And a lot of the stuff that I might have done in the past, I kind of don't even it's, it's done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's difficult for me to like, even personally be thankful for a lot. And I mean, that happens to a lot of people as well. Um, where. And like, weren't you A&R and stuff at one point? Like he's doing a lot. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So the, at, at the, the, the house Toronto thing, um, one of the founders over there, I was working with his artists, his past artists um, who were signed to another big guy. <laughs> in the music industry mm-hmm. like, I don't want to drop names but uh, if you just do your due diligence you'll under- you'll know but um, yeah so I think a, a big issue for me sometimes is I'm always thinking about the next thing I'm always thinking about what's next how can I do this I have these things on my plate now um, 
and this is like a complete aside from the black creative conversation, but we have to kind of like be thankful or look back and like, okay, I have done some really dope things um, because especially with how crazy the current climate is and how stressful it can be and how like just overwhelmingly depressive <laughs> things can be. Sometimes you have to look back and be like, oh, oh crap. Yeah, that's kind of cool. But I think just to go back now to the creative part of it, it's important to hold space for creative people in our community. Um, our art not only is art for art's sake, but it's art for expression and art to tell our stories. Um, and that's important because our stories are not told enough or they have usually are not given the platform to be told. Um, mm -hmm. So if we can find people who are doing great things creatively, um, we have to one, be able to help them the best we can and help the world to see it because we have also, you know, and this happens in other communities, but you know, like again, I'm black, I'm a black person. This is my black experience. Um, we have artists and creative people in our communities who just can't get to that level. And so some of my life has been helping people in the creative space to connect with brands or get the coverage and press coverage that they so deserve. Mm -hmm. um, and, and no. okay, thinking um again, I don't remember if we said it our last um pod, but if we didn't, you know, rest in peace to uh my schoolmate, fellow Boston College alumni, Quinn Coleman. Um, rest in peace. He's dope, dope individual. Mourned over that for a, a little minute, you know. Um, our community was hurt by that big hurt. Um, and it was just remarkable to me to also look at social media and see um, how impact, how impacted so many other people were by his dopeness and his life. Rest in peace to that guy. Um, you know, just remembering things like everything that he said he wanted to do him and Modi and um, Marty back in back in our dorm days and you know all the things that they were into like they put me on to all these different artists and stuff like that um just really dope guys um just really good people and you know just remembering all the things they 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 wanted to do or thought about doing just being you know kind of dreams um in dorm life <laughs> and seeing, seeing the dope individuals they became and, and, you know, still, still approachable, still reachable. Like they weren't, you know, they never became those guys. Like you couldn't still act like, Oh, Hey, um, still interacting and things like that. Dope individuals. Um, we would be remiss to also not mention that a lot of the black creative struggle is also like creating something out of nothing. <laughs> yes. Creating like, whole ideas out of zero like there's no nepotism involved there's nothing it's just like listen i want to do this and so i'm gonna not not to like you know be repetitive but create i'm gonna create my opportunity mm -hmm. you know and it's like that struggle and push to like make something out of nothing and i mean we do it in different things it's not just the artistic mm -hmm. spectrum you know mm -hmm. we do it in careers and uh politics we do it in athleticism so um, Absolutely. It also needs to be praised. And, you know, those um, guys that you're talking about um, definitely did that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I definitely wanted to give some um, credence to a couple things that have passed within the last week or two. Um, there are some really dope things for folks to know more about, get into. Um, for those who don't know, I'm a bit of a comic book nerd. Um, so, you know, uh, DC coming out with, you know, basically all of the um, the trailers and, and creative projects that they've been up to that they're going to be releasing. That was dope for me. But among um, the announcements there, there's been talk and uh, announcements of their possibly, probably, more than likely, almost assured to be a Black Batman coming up. <laughs> um, John Ridley is going to be what'd you say? I said I don't know how I feel about that but that'll be interesting I'll definitely I'll well be I mean 
so so the so the thing is where where and you know the those of us who are fans like we're kind of um hoping it's going to be one of those types of things where it's like because if, if you follow uh dc comics at all and i'm just going to be like extremely brief because this is not a you know comic book nerd conversation but um in brief to make it relatable there, there are there's the multiverse right and there are almost infinite earths <laughs> so you know this may be earth one the earth where there's a super where there's supergirl it's like earth 38 but then there's some other earths to have one like like they're, they're different earths all right so maybe this is going to be one of those where on a different earth black man is uh uh batman is black and so there's that you know like instead of becoming some other character or um like it's been noted that the new black man could be black lightning for example maybe he takes up the mantle for a little bit like it's there there are all different ways that it could go um again it'll more than likely be a whole new character just on one of the other earths or something like that um jessica let me ask you something go ahead when are we going to have the conversation about Batman being a white vigilante? <laughs> not today. <laughs> no, nah, not today. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm celebrating my bats right now. We ain't finna come for bats today. This is not the come for bats day. I'm saying he's a rich white man who goes out it's and not that in the street. Sir. Sir, okay. this is not All that right. day. Okay. <laughs> this is not that day. <laughs> we are focused on black creativity <laughs> and making a way out of no way. We are wading through the water right now with All right. our brother John Ridley. I'll put, okay? a book, I'll put a bookmark there. All right. John Ridley, as I said, <laughs> is going to be writing for Batman <laughs> 2020 and 2021. And he has already explained that more than likely, if he gonna be writing, Batman gonna be black. So here we are. Okay, that's, all right. That's what we doing. Got you. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, back on the topic of um, creating spaces where you can give light to dope blackness. Um, my girl Victoria, she created um, Black Web Fest. It has now already passed. Like initially, when we had this conversation, you know, it was it was still present, but um, it has already passed. But this happens every year. I typically attend, whether it be virtually or in person. Obviously, this year it had to be in person. <laughs> Fully equipped with film screenings, networking workshops, and so forth. Uh, excuse me this year it happened the weekend of august 28th to august 29th so there was that but you can look it up on um social medias do your googles on instagram specifically it is black web fest literally black web fest all one word um that's it on instagram and you know she just gives a voice and a space and you know different discussion topics for black folks mostly in media um mostly in you know the digital space so i always think that that's really dope it puts me on to a lot of dope creatives in terms of them um and I've seen a similar type of panel at the Circle of Sisters, which ironically usually happens this weekend as well, um, that I try to attend every year, uh, whether I go or not. And um, it, I've, I've just really enjoyed being able to see that type of conversation, giving light to Black folks who are being innovative and creative in the digital space, you know, in digital marketing, because a lot of the times that's what we talk about and that's what we argue and debate about. Yeah. Having black folks actually at the helm of creating images or marketing plans and things of that sort to make sure that our image and our perspectives are taken care of as much as you possibly can be because obviously they have executives over them so it's not like you know depending on the space that you're in um how that may ultimately end up in terms of the the message that's put out to the public um but you know, and seeing what type of innovation and creation happens there. Um, I was also featured on behalf of our podcast on 
um, a few things, but in a joint podcast kind of panel on a medium called Afros and Audio. You can find them on Instagram as well, literally Afros and Audio, one word. Um, and so that that is also a um, Black digital space head up by um, the brother Talib Jazir, and he gives all types of dope space and ability capability for black creatives of all different types more specifically black podcasters um to you know come on talk about what it is that they talk about and also give their takes on different topics where the medium is going for black folks and just you know um giving that type of dope space and he has a festival every year for that as well but like i said you know go ahead shoot on over to his instagram and check that out see what that's like um and you know like this this has just been a really great time to give um light to all the different black creative spaces i don't know if there are any more that you want to give um shine but i know we did talk about the um the the first uh black anime studio in japan as well yeah yeah there's a I don't like I don't I'm not gonna run down a whole list but I think we're we as the future goes we can kind of create a database for it with a lot of like dope creative black spaces or black run spaces that might be cool. we dope to highlight but um I just think you know it's important that we kind of find those spaces and there are collectives and in, in community um mm-hmm. that not only uh you know, are run by us, but kind of are a space for us to um, find other um, artistic, uh, motivational um, things that, you know, are outlets for us, um, whether it's podcasting, painting, um, photography, modeling, etc. cetera. Um, and there's just some great hubs out there for that. Um, I do want to mention that I am... St- um, if you follow me on Instagram, you see my last post and um, starting an initiative soon called 67. Um, and I'm working with uh, a friend of mine, Ingu, um, who is a dope designer and editor. Um, and we're going to continue to make some really uh dope projects involving other artists, um, dope collaborative projects. We um released one that Ingu designed in um, A&R called Heat um, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. It's a, multi, it it's a, a multi-medium project, um, art, a t-shirt, and a mixtape compilation, um, which is available on 67.com. Um, but it was speaking to, the, the art itself was speaking to the state of um, just chaos mentally um you know with everything being on fire um and all of the <laughs> yeah and uh we, we spoke on police brutality and a couple other poignant uh things that are happening um, in our communities in artistic fashion of course um and a hundred percent of the profit for that went to buy p100.org which, which is a safe space and movement campaign for black women um so you can go on buy p100.org and check them check them out but they're a grassroots organization um so 100 of the profit went to that and there's another project that's going to be dropping soon i believe a couple months it's also going to be multi-medium and we're kind of just gonna ingo and i are just going to kind of keep rolling out these projects these artistic multi-medium projects um and continue to also try to give back to grassroots organizations um, yeah. in our communities. And Goo's work is so dope, yo. Like he um, he recently was also on a, he worked with my brother recently too. Um, for those who don't, <clears throat> excuse me, for those who don't know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a creative myself, but I just, 
because I'm inconsistent. So I just like don't tell people because I don't want you to go looking at it and then be like, oh, well, she ain't recorded in a long time. Like I do have my own separate podcast called The Exhale, which is also on all your DSPs. Um, You can look me up, The Exhale at Oriola Speaks. Um, I plan to start recording again because I have a lot to talk about. Um, But however, you know. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, however the outlet is for, especially the listeners listening, um, we all kind of need an outlet some way. And, yeah. you know, yeah. even to kind of go back and speak about the 67 project, you know, I'm not an artist, um, but I found a place and in trying to stuff, help. That's artists. Well, yeah, no, no, for sure. But I'm talking about like fine artists. Like I'm not, not drawing or rapping, but I've, <laughs> in my life, I have tried to figure out how to assist those people. And in that I've contributed to art. Um, so then maybe so, that's why we say creative instead yeah. of artist. And, and also <clears throat> to people as far as like speaking for the black community as a whole um, and protest and different things like that. I'm just making a parallel that you don't have to do, you don't have to go down the road everyone else has gone down but you can find a way to contribute um, and help spread awareness. So in the creative space, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a painter, but if you can figure out a way to contribute to that, to to find artistry in, um, like we gave the examples of these incubators, somebody had to create Uh that. Somebody Uh had to create uh the opportunity for that. Um, And also, you know, like with the project with Goo, like I'm not the one necessarily designing everything. I will be designing some things, but I found a way to make a partnership and make it work to where I can help give a platform and facilitate that. And it's the same thing, you know, across the board. So like we see protests and we see people like, I don't know how to contribute to what's going on in my communities. Uh What do uh you do uh really well? Figure out, and you know, maybe you don't do something exceptionally well, but what do you enjoy to do? And maybe you're a yoga teacher. Maybe you are, which I am actually. I just <laughs> submitted the 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 um rec- the assignments for my uh, certification. So yay me! Hey. No, but like, <laughs> maybe you can. You know, wellness is important. You know, people in our community need wellness. They need to not always feel pressure. They need to be able to release. So there are different ways, you know, there are different ways that you can contribute. If you're a business person and you're not really into the creative spectrum, but you want to be able to help people in a more holistic manner, maybe you, you know, do law on behalf of an organization that helps the community. Maybe you do business and help to be a business manager for an organization that does something. So there's different ways is what I'm saying. So you can always try to find what you do well and be able to contribute. It's not always um, what you might think. So I just kind of urge people to kind of just think about, think within themselves um, and how they can help others. And it's, you know, it'll happen. So the creative space is another area for that, you know, where there's there's different ways to contribute to that. Um, sorry, that's my uh, alarm. I got I got uh, black eyed peas on that I need to do the next step with, and my alarm keeps going off. Oh <laughs> it's Sunday. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I fixing to say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. He'll he'll kill me if I don't mention it, guys. My my brother. My, my younger brother yes I have siblings besides my brother uncle that you hear talking uh, <laughs> my actual brother um, he goes by Ivan Ivory on social media don't ask me why I really don't know but um, he's my little brother and I'm super proud of him and he does great things as an artist he's a sound engineer producer and he's an MC all in his own right. Um, you can find him on Instagram Ivan X so it's spelled I-V-O-N as in Nancy underscore X underscore. Um, he has some dope music that's available on all your DSPs. He has a new single out called Friends. Really dope. Um, it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Music, and he's also involved with our local 
um, community garden in Newark on Grafton called Jana on Grafton. He's he's one of the founders there too. So, you know, shuffle on over to the Instagrams and you know, tell my brother I sent you. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's that. Just you know, just being really appreciative of being able to um, take out the time and opportunity to give light to places that we actually find and create safe space for ourselves and for the ways that we want to see ourselves and how we want to put that out into the world, you know? Um, And instead of constantly being part of that conversation or part of the tropes saying, oh, we don't have Black this, we don't have Black that, it's not at all the case if you can use us as an example or if you can use our conversation to start you going down the rabbit hole to find all the black creatives that you need and all the black folks who create the places for black folks to safely create then by all means please do that yeah and especially now (laughs) yeah especially now um it's a great opportunity to seize right now because especially with you know the whole black lives matter fervor and everything going on over the past couple months a lot more companies and places are just a little more willing to support you or to act like you have something to say (laughs) so strike while iron's hot people (laughs) Yeah. yeah and uh you know just push yourself to to do something a little bit different and also uh you'll be able to find your space there's a space for you out there you know uh-huh. but um, with that peace and hair grease you know <laughs> i think that's all i have on uh black creative yeah, for so now that's all we got at all today for now we've been talking to y'all a while <laughs> yeah as, as we tend to do we look up and it's been a while and I'm like oh yeah it's been a while um but yeah so follow us on all of our social media um blackocracy on literally everything um 